Are you a Jewish homeschooling family? Can your kids read Hebrew? Then Kita is for you. Kita provides meaningful Jewish learning for middle school age students in Chumash and Navi. Due to popular demand, beginning January 2nd, Kita's Chumash and Navi program will feature a Monday Zoom lesson to meet the needs of homeschooling families. In addition, for Florida homeschooling families, Kita is now an authorized Step Up for Families provider. Learn more about this innovative program at kita.org slash Florida. The spring semester begins on January 2nd, so visit kita.org, that's K-I-T-A-H dot O-R-G, to learn more and register today. Everybody. Welcome to a new edition of RZ Weekly. Are we all on RZ Weekly? Everybody's yes, on? Yes. We're nodding? Yes, yeah. yes. Baruch Hashem. Okay. Um, it's been quite a while since we recorded. Uh, and uh, all of our listeners know that's for a very simple reason. These are tremendously, tremendously challenging times. As we're recording, we're in day three of the Pi'imot, of the returning of the hostages, which I'm sure in Chutzla Aret is concerning and people are aware it's difficult to describe the all-encompassing nature of, of, this, of the national trauma that we're going through at this time. I mean, Molly's our technical trauma expert, but I don't know. I'm, I'm feeling it as much as I can. I thank God that I wasn't on my phone on Shabbat, but it's just, it's just all-encompassing. It's, just, it's, it's, it, 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 mm-hmm. it's just all-enveloping. And it's just, you know, you're happy for the families, but what about the, the other families? And what about the soldiers? Who are, There's no, no discussion. It's just, no. I'm, I'm sorry for and going And what about on, the price? You know, I think everybody's conflicted. Yeah. And what's going to happen? And is the army going to return? Like, you know, of course, the New York Times raised the issue. Oh, you know, the leaders have to decide. You just have to, whatever. So let's discuss RZ Weekly. Today, we're going to discuss an important topic, the topic of Gvura. But before we do that, uh, I want to uh, introduce, we'll do our bios. We haven't done them in a while. So we just have to remind all of our wonderful listeners who it is that we're talking to. So first of all, I want to say hello to uh, Molly hello. Brasky. Hello, everybody. Molly. Hello. Okay. Who is Molly Brasky? Molly teaches Tanakh and Machshevet Yisrael uh, and is an in-house social worker at Michlelet Mivaseret Yerushalayim, a.k.a. M-M-Y. She has a private practice in Gush Etzion and supervises and teaches at Hebrew University for the Wurzweiler School of social work. So uh, thanks for making the time, Molly. Uh, much appreciated. Uh, we also have with us our Rav Johnny Solomon. Hello, Rav Johnny. Hello, shalom to everybody. Hello, hello. Rav Johnny Solomon is a lecturer for Herzog College, LSJS, that's the London School of Jewish Studies, and Melton. And he works as the, the virtual rabbi. Johnny, I never had to pronounce it because it's hashtag virtual, it's a hashtag virtual rabbi. Hashtag, hashtag virtual as rabbi. Yeah. Hashtag the virtual rabbi. Offering online spiritual coaching halachic consultations, and Torah study sessions to men, women, and couples around the world. And I have to say, if you're looking for a meaningful, regular chavruta, make the time. John is well, well worth the investment. Beyond this, Johnny writes a popular daily insights on Dafyomi, volunteers for Irgun Rebunet Sohar, and he's a postdoc to his local shul in Evan Shmuel. I am Ruben Spolter. I direct educational program development at, the Her- at Herzog College. 
specifically at the division called Herzog Global, where we create educational and teacher training materials for Jewish teachers around the world. I help people prove their Jewish status at Irgun Rabbi Eitz Sohar, and I teach Torah to middle school teach kids online around the world at Kita. So if you've got a middle schooler and they're not in Jewish day school or you want to enhance their Jewish learning, why don't you reach out, kita.org. Okay, today, as I said, we're going to talk about the topic of Gvura because it's all around us. You know, there's, there's, it's, it's, it's sort of in the air. It's in the media, very much in the media. There have been, been a bunch of television programs, a bunch of te shorter television programs, even translated about the idea of Jewish Gvura. And we thought about the, discussing this idea because it's, it's with the outbreak of the war and the heroic actions on the one hand of people who gave their lives, uh, sacrificed their lives, ran into the fray without really knowing anything. Other people, there are stories that are going around, not going around, that are being told and should be told and must be told of citizens getting into their pickup trucks and driving down and literally saving you know, tens or hundreds of people of regular soldiers who doing their jobs demonstrated tremendous gvura. And also, you know, the expansive discussion of what does it mean to be a gibor today? And it's a really a challenging and, and um, um, I would say, uh, thought-provoking issue today, especially as we're approaching Hanukkah. You know, the Chag of Hanukkah has, as, uh, as we'll discuss, or I will discuss, has different elements. On the one hand, it has a, literally, a battle element, a war element. But on the other hand, Judaism imbu imbued within it a spiritual element, both of which sort of play at, tug at two sides of the coin of what it means to be a gibor. So I thought, first of all, Johnny, you had mentioned to us, you had shared with us a number of these examples that had moved you, that you thought that people should be aware of. And so I'd like you to share a couple of the primary examples that you think are important for our listeners to be aware of, because one of the things that we try to do on this podcast is make our listeners aware, if they're not already, of some of the things that are out there that are really prominent in, in, in Israeli life today. And then if you'd share a broader expanse about your thoughts about these, why do you think these are important for people to share? Why is it important? Why do you want them to see it? And, uh, and what, what should we be learning from it as we're, as we're engaging with this material? Okay, so thank you so much for the introduction and for framing this conversation. And I think we already started talking about this, this uh, difference or this dynamic between loss and tragedy and strength and heroism. And the last time we spoke, and I mentioned how in Israel, Yom HaShoah is Yom HaShoah And for us, that notion that even where there's loss, there is fighting, both spiritual fighting and physical fighting, uh, is incredibly important. Yes, yeah, what's interesting to me is that from my understanding, Israel refused to call it, the, 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 the Israeli establishment refused to just have a day of Shoah. They needed Correct. to have some kind of gura. So they framed it around the Warsaw Ghetto Uprising because they refused to accept But that was also a Shoah. Holocaust trauma. That, that has right. a lot to do with um, when you're asking a, a, a group of people who had just risen from the ashes to pick up their guns and, and fight for their country, we, we know that that was part of, it's also before the, you know, in the return to the land, but there was a very strong, first of all, it came from like the early settlers that we don't want to be these Galuti Jews, we want to be strong Jews, but I'm saying, even after the Holocaust, how right. can you mm -hmm. ask people um, 
to 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 switch their heads from such passivity to activity, right? There was this need among the those those early settlers to um, to focus on their their agency and their self actualization. I think I used to be a lot less forgiving about it. I used to frame it the way you framed it as like, oh, the secular mapinics who like rejected religion and didn't see the gvura and the Holocaust, and now we are reclaiming the spiritual strength, which is all important. But um, no, I don't think they rejected it as spiritually. I don't think it I know, was a but it became thing. framed. I think they were yeah, embarrassed. It, by they it. were. They were also embarrassed by it. But it also became framed as a, one of those bones of contention between right. There were. There's where people were like, "No, I saw Batavis is the day we celebrate the Holocaust. It's not Yom Hashoah. That's the worst." But it became one of the religious secular bones of contention, and I, I feel like mm-hmm. I, 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 that's actually nice. I like that our conversation. I think is going to try to fr- um, bring the bring these two elements together again, instead of it being either spiritual strength or physical mm. strength, I think that's what we're about to discuss. That's, you know what I'm saying? Which is why Johnny's starting at that point. That's yeah, definitely I'm saying, but I'm saying like, yeah, we always are. Johnny, but I guess you had mentioned show <laughs> but, up, right? That's, this is the issue. This is one right, of the Right, but I'm saying we really always as religious you know? Zionists, we're trying to straddle that. And I think we had a lot of empathy for the like, at least I did, um, for the like, no, as opposed to the secular who who need to emphasize the physical gvura, we're going to emphasize the spiritual gvura. And I think we, as a religious Zionist community, are coming around to saying we still emphasize the spiritual gvura, but we see your point as well. So let's bring it back to Johnny. Sorry, Johnny. Well, I, I wouldn't uh, say exactly. it's an either or, but I think that right, right that that debate around Yom Hashavah gvura, and of course there were the halachic ramifications because the Warsaw Ghetto uprising was towards the end mm-hmm. of Chodesh Nisan, and the, whether it was going to be appropriate to have that day in Chodesh Nisan, which is generally a festival of celebration. And even though there was significant pushback by very, very uh, major Rabbanim at the time, the Knesset and numerous uh, political leaders and religious leaders here in Israel said, we need both of those. And of course, in terms of geography, the very fact that Hal Herzl and uh, Yad Vashem meet through, through a path from one to the other, and that we use the phrase Mishra'alat Kuma, right, is part and parcel of the fabric of what it means to be an Israeli Jew. And we kind of take it for granted because we used to talk about these more explicitly. Nowadays, we talk about these less explicitly as if it's understood, but it's only when we have a real battle where, and where we also suffer losses, where that both tension and uh, equilibrium between that sense of loss and that need to fight comes to the fore and it highlights that Israeli Jew identity which is felt by many Jews outside of Israel too but isn't necessarily always um, experienced by many Jews outside of Israel such as for example after October 7th because after October 7th outside of Israel there was just feelings of loss we we had feelings of loss and we saw expressions of strength and so one was somewhat obviously by no means uh, significantly, but somewhat tempered by the other, that sense that we're, we're, we're pushing back, we're fighting back, etc. So you, we, you mentioned my reference to Gvurah, and already very, very soon after that very difficult day, I said it was important from an educational standpoint for us to be collecting stories about Gvurah, because there'll be plenty of stories about loss, about murder, about the brutality of what's taken place. We also need to recognize the stories of strength, physical strength, emotional strength, uh, spiritual strength that was done then and has been done and expressed on the battlefield ever since then. And I think I might have mentioned in our previous session, um, 
uh, the collection of of stories made by Makorishon is this booklet called Usisei Gvura. And then last week, there was a first episode of a series, a second actually, it's going to be airing tonight, called Giborim, really telling the story of what took place in Kibbutz Beri on that very difficult day, where two brothers and eventually a nephew uh, came as civilians, although they all had army experience, um, from Otniel to Beri, and, and saved, as we mentioned, hundreds or so lives and put themselves in the line of danger time after time after time. And how the story is told on this, uh, on this documentary is very, very telling. And I just want to briefly dwell on this and then I'll just pass yeah, John, on the if you can explain, because I Davka didn't, I just could some things I can watch, some things I can't. So if you, like, if you, you mentioned the booklet, you go into, like, to me it's important, I'm curious, what is it that they explained in Makori Shon that they described in this Misisei Gvura? And also, what are the elements of Gvura that are being described in this, in this television show? Right. The, the, the Makori Shon themselves collated a hundred stories because, and in fact, right now, there's a much more formal academic endeavor of collating stories both for our history books, but also for the necessity to take terrorists to court. So there is a dual-pronged endeavor to to record testimonies in order to know what to do with that in the future. But what Korishon did, it was by, I think it was the second week uh, after Simchat Torah, they'd collated 100 stories, some of which they'd found on other media outlets, some of which they'd interviewed people themselves, of people who fought, people who saved others, people who died, people who uh, were able to survive because of their endeavors. And I read it, and uh, and I was both. I knew this happened. I knew this happened so nearby where I live. So of course that puts, uh, you know, makes your hair stand on end. But you often, you know, you may see movies about superheroes. You may read stories about superheroes, and then I'm reading a newspaper about events that happened. No, not far from where all of us live. Events that happened in not just in our lifetime, in our, you know, in the past couple of months, and we say. These people are bigger heroes than any movie I've ever seen and any story I've ever heard. And I know these happened. I know these events happened. People who put themselves in ridiculous levels of danger to help strangers because we believe in the sanctity of life. And seeing our values expressed in deeds by Jews, where it made no difference what type of Jew you were or not for that matter, right? We were blind to those matters. And instead, there was effort after effort made to try and just save life and done so with dignity. Um, really, really was incredibly moving. And, and there's lots of particular stories of younger people and older people, uh, put, people put in, in uh, uh, ridiculous predicaments. But just moving on to this TV documentary, and again, it's the first of a series. Um, it was really a half an hour conversation with, uh, uh, with one of these two brothers. The other, unfortunately, was killed towards the end of their life-saving uh, um, efforts. But Menachem, who, who was being interviewed about what he did on that day, why he jumped in his car from Otniel to go to Be'eri, why he went through the gates of Kibbutz Be'eri knowing that there are lots of terrorists, and why when he saved people, he went in and in and in and in again. And this is a soft-spoken uh, religious man who, when asked, why did you do it? To his mind, it was almost the most absurd of questions. He said, because, of course I would, because we believe in the sanctity of life. It was, to him, almost uh, uh, absurd to think 
one would do anything otherwise. And then I'll just take two quick things and say I'll pass it on. He describes after fighting, literally hand-to-hand combat, for like eight, ten hours. He hasn't eaten, he hasn't drunk. He's, he's about to fall over, right? Pushing himself beyond any measure of physical limit. He said, I went into one of the houses, which had, where unfortunately it had been ransacked. I just needed to get something to drink. And he said, and I went up to the refrigerator to take like a glass of water, a glass of cola. He said, I felt terrible that I was, I was almost stepping into the private space of a family. So the interviewer said, well, but of course they would, have, they would have wanted you to eat and drink. You're saving their lives. He said, I know. But, but I felt that that was just taking something private away from them. And that sensitivity, you know, somebody who's fighting, who's shooting, who's dealing with evil, who's still sensitive to taking a can of drink from somebody else, not because of it being stealing, but because of it being almost improper. And then he said when he was driving uh, these men, women, and children out of Kibbutz Beri, he said, please make sure you put your head down in case people shoot at them. Now, one of them said, but we're in a... An army truck. Hopefully that shouldn't happen. He said, no, 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 it's not so secure. And when he was asked, why did you say that to him? He said, I didn't want them to see more dead bodies on the street. And you're thinking, here's somebody who has, who's done everything and still he's sensitive to how people might feel, sensitive to how you may overstep some kind of unreal boundary about the privacy of somebody's home or refrigerator. So I was so moved both by that show of bravery and heroism but also by that by the fact that he didn't lose his values you know and, and Victor Frankl speaks a lot about how even in the worstest of places we can still know ourselves and find ourselves and be ourselves and it, Menachem and so many others whose stories were told in Makorishon it made me realize it's not just that they were strong and they and they and they beat our enemies it wasn't just they were heroic and they risked their lives it was that at no point did we as a Jewish people lose sight of our values, even to the smallest of thing, like a can of drink, or the smallest of thing of wishing somebody to see something they didn't need to see. And that, that really, it really moved me to tears, because I say, wow, this is the Jewish people. That's gvoah, not just the physical, but the spiritual and the emotional, that we look out for each other in every which way we can, and we do whatever we can to save each other and uh, and give life to each other. Molly, yeah, well, take it from of there. Of course, if, yes, yeah, that, Johnny, wow. as usual, uh, <laughs> you know, says says everything so beautifully and eloquently. But it, yeah, it really did help me um, kind of think about how to start saying what I wanted to say, which is basically very similar to what Johnny just said. Which is, I, I want to open with um, again. It's I I, I had the honor of listening to uh, a, a sicha uh, by Rav Tamir Granot, who, as I've mentioned before, is the Rosh Yeshiva of Yeshiva Rosh Shaul, where Ruby, your son, goes, and my two sons, have, one goes, one is a graduate of. Um, and he was talking about the ethics of warfare, which is a big issue, which we're obviously not going to talk about right now. But one of the things he said, which I thought was so beautiful, was he said, he also he said it's there, and he also said it in his interview about his son. He said the same point in both of them. He said, what we're seeing in this generation is a gibor that, he said, it harkens back to the gvurah of the Tanakh, meaning the heroism that we're seeing, and I know that you want to make the point about galut and how maybe the idea of, of physical heroism had just shifted during galut, but it's like he said, the gvurah that 
the gvura that we're seeing in our generation, I really, and, and this I also want to say, which is that like, I think many people are saying like, if you ever had the like kids these days type of feeling, we do not feel that way in Eretz Yisrael. I think we are all feeling like we are, um, I don't know what the word is like, just, well, we yeah, but now we're like seven. taking, we I don't know how, how, what's the expression, <laughs> like you take your hat off, but like, I don't, you know, you, you, you just bow down, you go down in front of these heroes that are our children. The, 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 the what we're, I'll just tell you a story. I'll just tell you a story. So my wife is dealing with, um, we have a chayal bodeh that we have a relationship with and we're supplying him stuff and we're getting his stuff from America and we're very close to the family. So in his yechidan is whatever plugar, whatever it is, one of his, uh, one of his, uh, one of his um, army uh, mates or whatever you call it, uh, his sister's getting married. And so the family sent a request to have him to get him any sure to leave Gaza in order to come to his sister's wedding, um, and I'm not giving, I'm not telling any specific information. So, I'm like, so, so it turns out that the armies told him, "You could go," he said, "but we can't bring you back." Meaning, we'll get you out, but we can't guarantee you come back in. Yeah. So he won't leave. Yeah. He's not. He's it's like not. You know. Typical, I was so, like, so typical. Then again, so it's like. And the story after it's like story, hard to and it's, and it's, it's, it's hard you know, to John described people who are you know, charfam nafsham. Really, they 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 know they put themselves in the most self-sacrificing of situations to help and to save other people. It's just there's this, this incredible heroism. Um, but so what? What I wanted to say, Rav Tamir said, was like, what the gvura of our generation is is the gvura of David Hamelach, meaning. They have the physical strength, and he says in the Gvurav Yoshua Benun, but David, I think, is the best example because they have the physical strength, but they also have the spiritual sensitivity, the 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 Naim Zviro Yisrael. And I think we're seeing that on so many levels. And, and I just want to say, it's, it's like the idea of the sweetness. Um, when you see these soldiers, somehow they all have this Ruach, and we've, talk, we've spoken before about this like generation of, of spirituality, but you see it, you see it in the way that they... They could sit and they sing. They sing sweet songs, you know. They, 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 they the, the soldiers themselves. Like I just went to a, um, a last week of somebody from a lunch foot. Hashem, you come to Moe, Eitan Rosenzweig. He was a artist. He won a prize. He, mm. if, if oh my God! I this, saw the pictures and, of the oh, things that he made. Unbelievable. And, unbelievable. And, and his personality. He was gentle and sweet and an artistic soul and a musical soul and a Hasidi soul. And I, I don't think that, that he's the only one. I think we're seeing this combination of we're seeing that there is not a contradiction between physical strength and spiritual sweetness. And and that's one of the ways in which this gvuraz is. Is being um, expressed, and I think the other is what is what um, the sensitivity is also being expressed in, in ethical ethical sensitivity. You know, Johnny gave the example of the cola. Rav Ramon has also been speaking about the the shilas that he's getting, and it's very similar shilas. Harav, I walked into a house, an Arab house, um, and I want to charge my phone. Is it is it stealing if I plug my phone into the uh, electricity to charge to charge my phone? in this person's house in Aza, or um, leaving a note, as, as, as Johnny said, there was a note I saw, this, you know, they, people took the, Chayelim took cola out of a fridge in, 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 uh, in one of these kibbutzim, and they wrote, we apologize for, for taking your soda, and thank you very much, you know, and we really appreciate it. Um, and there, there are millions of these stories. The combination of, um, of, um, of, 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 of the ability to be physically, strong and powerful and not to be afraid of that 
and, 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 not, and to realize that there's an importance and a value in that, but while you're doing it, to hold on to your, um, your, your spiritual sweetness, which expresses itself, again, in, in sweetness of character and also in ethics, I think that's the gvura that we're seeing. And I just, I, I wanted to, I, read, I, this, I was thinking about this already a while, and then yesterday, I happened to come across this quote. I, was, I reread God with the Wind recently. Yeah. Wait, wait, one second. I, 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 I just sort of want to understand. Like, of course it's important to be, like, it's unique to be sensitive. And it's unique to be Naim Zemirot Yisrael. But why are you describing that as Okay, so, so let me... So, great. Meaning, okay. meaning Gvura is, is, is classically, and we're going to talk about this in a second, what it, what it was, and what it, meaning Gvura is strength. Gvura in Hebrew is bravery, from what the best of my understanding. Those are well, the two things well, okay. that Gvura So first of all, I'll means. answer that, and then I'll answer bravery you. Bravery and strength. You, you, you asked two questions. And the, I'm not you're, saying... You're first, you I'm, said, how is Gvura don't, defined? Don't, don't misunderstand me. The things okay, that you describe so are beautiful. Explain. Okay. But is, why do you so first describe of all, I that think as Gvura, if we if, if we define it as heroism, not just strength, right? And again, I mentioned to you that the Rav talks about Koach versus Gvura, where Koach is physical strength. Well, we're, we're talking. Okay, talk so Soloveitchik in uh, Catharsis, very quickly. I mean, you know, there's a lot of things there, but I'm just going to use the jumping off point where he talks about Koach and Gvura, right? And Koach is physical strength, and Gvura is is something else. And I would describe it as heroism. And heroism, by definition, is not about physical strength because the stronger one, of course, is going to win. That's any hero story. Of course, he has to be fighting against odds, right? So when you when you're a hero, you're not just physically strong. You have another quality, right? And you can describe that quality in many different ways. And what I'm saying is, and this is going back to your first part of your question, I'm describing that that added quality um, that that makes it into heroism as this spiritual strength. And that's why I want to read you this quote because it, it brought it together for me, exactly what you're saying. Why, what, what am I talking about exactly? So again, I was rereading God with the Wind. Don't ask me why. It's a different, whole different story. But I had, I don't know how many of you know the story of God with the Wind, but the main character is Scarlett O'Hara. And the author wrote that Scarlett is the, the epitome of um, kind of resilience and gumption, right? That's her strength. Nothing will let her get her down. Right? She will just keep on fighting and she will get up. And it's not always a positive quality. Right? But she's got the physical... I love that this is actually two women. It's a two women who embody this gvura. She is the embodiment of this physical gvura. Physical gvura. Right? And she will keep fighting and she will never get up and she will keep fighting. But there's another character in the book who she despises for the majority of the book, whose name is Melanie, who is sweet and soft and compliant. And, um, and, and Scarlett always thinks of her as weak because she's physically weak. And she's also, um, in personality, always giving and always selfless, okay? Um, and at the end of the book, giving it away, but that's okay, um, at the end of the book, Melanie's dying. And Scarlett realizes what, how much she's always relied on Melanie and, and that the true, the true strength is, lies in the combination of the two types of strength. And this is what it says. Um, um, when when she dies, okay? Suddenly, this is talking about Scarlet, she was standing at Tara again with the world around her ears, referencing when her mother died. Her mother is similar to Melanie. This just the epitome of kindness and ethics and values. That's how she viewed her. Desolate with the knowledge that she could not face life without the terrible strength of the weak, the gentle, the, te- the tender-hearted. And I loved that phrase, the terrible strength of the weak, the gentle, and the tender-hearted. Meaning... The, the, the source of the ability 
to fight the the what what's battery charging the gvura of our soldiers is the terrible strength of their gentleness their terrible their their tenderheartedness their ability right to do things that other people would perceive as weak because that they're they're willing to sacrifice and that's often perceived as weak and i think that that that's the gvura of am israel and that's the gvura that we're seeing and it's it's a it's it's beautiful it's beautiful to see and i think that 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 sometimes we miss it right sometimes we're not aware of this and and i've said this to the two of you also which is we had this conversation about the phrase akol kol yakov adami de esav right and and saying sometimes we have to act like esav but really we're still like yakov and i'm saying you're missing the point right the the, the david is is the it's, it's a different midrash akol kol yakov adami de esav was a mistake i Yitzchak didn't understand that you could actually unite the two into Yisrael, right? And the real midrash that we should be going with is the, the midrash of David HaMelech, who's an admoni im yefeyenayim, right? And that's, that's what Chazal say. On the one hand, he's admoni, he's, he, he's a fighter, he's a redhead, he can, he can mm-hmm. shed blood, he's, he's got that red strength in him, but he also has the yefeyenayim, he has the gentleness, he has the kindness, he has the sweet eyes, and it's not one versus the other, it's that a true hero holds both. And I think that we are extremely privileged I mean may it all end may we not have one more loss but we but we have been privileged to be able to see in our generation and that's why I say we like salute them heroes 18 to, to, to 20 year old heroes who embody both of these qualities together and also older obviously you know people who who were who were you know as, as, as Johnny said citizens who ran into the fray who are fighting but like I think we're really seeing the, the spirit of David HaMelech coming to life in front of our eyes. And it's very moving to me because, it, and this is, I'll just close with this, it symbolizes all the achdut that we're talking about, all the unification that, that we're all thirsting for. Here's another unification. This is not a dichotomy. You're either physically strong or you're spiritually strong, right? You're, you're either, you know, safra or seifa, right? One or the other. No, we're really living in a generation where, where we're seeing people who are actually holding both. Um, and again, I think the spirituality is expressed both in gentleness and sweetness and in ethics. And I think it's, it's beautiful to behold. Okay, I have a response to that. I'm going to pick up that bone a little bit. Um, but before we do that, we'll take a quick break. And then I'll pick that bone right after this. Stay with us. Are you living with or experiencing some theological, spiritual, or halachic tension or struggle in your life and are looking for a confidential, non-judgmental, emotionally intelligent, and source-based rabbi and coach to share Torah wisdom with you? If so, then you'll be interested in my new discovery package. Book a 30-minute, no-obligation discovery call with me, during which you can share what is on your mind then hear what I propose as a personalized spiritual coaching package that will meet your needs. To book your free discovery call, simply visit rabbijohnnysolomon.com forward slash discovery. I look forward to talking with you. Okay, Molly, in your beautiful description of Scarlett O'Hara and her friend, what's her name? I didn't get it. Um, Melanie. Melanie. You described Wilkes. 
I would, you know, the strength of weakness. Was that the, was well, that the no, essential? No, because not the weakness. Uh, that was the, I don't want to use the, the key word line. Weakness. That was, well, what did you here. describe it? You read the it. The terrible well, strength of the weak, the gentle, and the tenderhearted. The terrible strength of the weak, the gentle, and the tenderhearted. Okay, it's some other kind of strength. And I, I feel, like I, I, don't disagree, I don't fundamentally disagree that, the, that a strong person should also be sensitive that a strong person should also be ethical. But I don't think that's gvura. I don't think that's strength. I think David HaMelech, when he went to, out to battle, he was a lion. He was a fierce lion. He was fearless. He, he was a warrior. And, and he took no prisoners. I don't know, meaning in the, in the probably yes. in, the, in the literal sense. Listen to Rav Tamir. At least, yes. read, the, mm -hmm. read the Navi. Because he had no problem with well, uh, about about he Shaul did, and, and he thought that they were ethical the, to do. That's also part of the point. Yeah. Correct. Read about, read about, you know, read about strength. And reading about strength in the Navi is a physical strength. It's a prowess. It's a, it's a literal, you know, hero, heroism or gvura is the ability to vanquish your enemies. And I think, you know, I'm not a historian. And if you're a historian, like I'm not a, I'm not a total historian, but I'm, I'm pretty sure I've heard this before. And if not, I'm certainly not making it up. It's quite clear that uh, as time went along, the idea of Jewish strength and Jewish heroism became an impossibility. You know, after the Jews were decimated and lost wars and suffered because of their desire to have strength, it almost became a liability to have Jewish strength. So if a Jewish strength is a liability, then how do you deal with all the, all the virtue of extolling, lauding the idea of Jewish strength? So what we did is we turned it on its head. And we said, no, strength isn't what you think it is. Strength is something entirely different. Strength is strength of character. Strength is strength of ethics. Gvura is gvura of, of spiritual standing up to difficulty. And, and, you know, and all of those things are, on the one hand, true, but they're not the true definition of strength, not in the classical Jewish sense in any way. And throughout the, I would say, 2,000 years of our, of our diaspora existence, this has always been true. I mean, you have, you have, you know, there has been strength, you know, that we, I'll just go back to our, our, our original discussion about Yom HaShoah V'Agvura. So there's a whole institute called Achom Shem Olam, whose entire existence is dedicated to this idea of spiritual strength, of understanding the, you know, standing up and the questions that you people ask and their maintenance and their faith and their ability to push back in small, tiny ways, you know, because this is the tradition of Jewish tradition. You know, when, like Ezehu Gibor, I, I mentioned this before, but we all know the phrase. If you'd ask a person, Ezehu Gibor HaKovesh Yitzro, right? When, when you think about it in Shat, it's absolutely false, right? Ezehu Gibor is not someone who's Kovesh Yitzro. Ezehu Gibor is someone who destroys his enemies. That's a Gibor. So, well, I know you all want to respond, and this is all good. I'm, I'm, I'm putting it out there, okay? So, and, and by the way, like, I grew up in Galut. I, 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 I find myself embarrassed hearing these stories, I have to be honest with you, because I consider myself a coward. I didn't go. I would never go. I didn't serve in the army. I didn't want to serve in the army. You know, when I was in Shalavim, and, and uh, you know, I had colleagues or friends who served in the army, you know, and they were Shana Betters, and they went to the Shirion. I thought, wow, that's laudable, but that's crazy. I mean, literally crazy, because I was born to a different existence. And I don't even know if you can, like, uh, how, how these kids who are chayadim bodidim and come from chutzaretz and do this, I don't know how they do it, but it wasn't part of my, my, my worldview. And I hear my sons, my children, 
who are like, of course I want to serve. You know, it's so interesting because when you hear people from Chutzlart, there's like, do you feel bad that your children have to go to the army? And the children have to go to the army saying, we would feel bad if we couldn't go to the army. Like it's a totally mm. different mentality being raised in this idea of Vura is spiritual versus being raised in the idea of Vura is physical. I would even say that now we find, and you said like there's Achdud in the world, like the many in the, in, the, in the Haredi community are finding themselves confronted with strong examples of physical Gvura and having to ask themselves, one second, I've been told all along that Gvura is spiritual and learning Torah and you know, overcoming my Yetzer. How do I deal with this uh, the idea of people literally risking and sacrificing their lives to save Jews who they didn't know? So I feel, Molly, that even while the sentiments you described are beautiful and wonderful, that's not so, rough. That's not, you know, and by the way, like now I realize why I don't like watching these things because I'm embarrassed by them. Like I, I'm, I'm in awe of them and I don't know if everybody's supposed to have them. Is every Jew supposed to be a Gibor? Or just some people are born with this gene of tremendous bravery and sacrifice and willingness for a Kalal Yisrael. But, and, and like you mentioned catharsis and that's why the reason I wanted to read it is because the Rav's whole introduction to catharsis is a beautiful, passionate explanation of the phrase, Ezu Gibar And that's why he says there's Koach. He says it in the end, the end of the introduction, he quotes Later, the paradox. Okay, the, there's a lot more this, there, but all right. This, this, that, that's the way I understood it. Of course, exactly. Rav Scholars will not come It's much more complicated. It's, it's about leaping okay. into the absurd and it's about going forward and moving back and being able to move forward. But uh, okay, uh, this is what I'll say to you. What's that? What's that? What's that? Yeah. Let me just I'll finish my thought. So that, that being said, this idea, and I, th- I think that. We live, and the, the reason I think it's so relevant for our podcast is because one of the things that strikes me so much is we live in an era that never mm-hmm. existed before, before biblical times. There was biblical mm-hmm. times, maybe up to Bayit Cheney, and then we were destroyed in our entire existence, and our entire collective memory is based on right. not being a nation, not having a nation. There's no Shulchan Aruch, there's no, there's, no, there's no literature, really almost, other than Tanakh, to sort of help us describe okay. these situations. There is none. You know, like when I say Avinu Malkenu, it's so interesting. All the Avinu Malkenus are like mm-hmm. about decimation. They're all about suffering. And I want to add some Avinu Malkenus. Avinu Malkenu, Shlach Hatzlacha, Brachala Chayalenu. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, but it's not in our lexicon. It's not in our, it's not in our, it's not in our way of describing. And, and that's why I sort of like, I, I know I'm, I'm nitpicking a little bit. And I, of course, agree with the sentiments you're saying. But I think it's important to say we, should, we need to be proud of our gvura and not temper it. We need to be strong because that's the only thing that will continue to allow us to survive. And of course, we want our chaylim to be ethical and sensitive to other people. But the first thing I want them to be is strong. I want them to, to understand that their job is to stand up and destroy the enemy without any hint or reservation or worry or concern. Okay. That to me is gvura. Then you want to talk about spiritual gvura afterwards? Okay. We can talk about all those other things. But I, but I feel like, you know, the pintalayid is sort of still mixed in. And, and that's something that I think that, A, people in Chutz Arts might be very uncomfortable with what I'm saying. And, and I, I remember being uncomfortable with it myself because you're in a different existence. And B, it's critical to our survival. And only by internalizing this and understanding it 
would we be able to survive? I do. So Molly yeah. wants to respond. Johnny's got his hand up. So I, go ahead, Johnny. I'll start with Johnny. And then I'll let I do, because I'm like, oh, it's going to explode. Johnny, Johnny, do you yield? I know that Johnny will probably say everything I want to say and say more eloquently. Boys. But because you, because it was, <laughs> okay. you know, you were responding to me, I feel like I'm going to explode. Go ahead, Molly. Go ahead. Okay. So basically, what I want to say to you is I don't. I no, 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 I think what, I, I would like to sharpen what you're saying, because I think what you're saying is correct. I would just like to expand. I have one fundamental disagreement with you, but I don't even think it's a disagreement. I think it's just an expansion. I don't agree with you that the fundamental um, gvura in Judaism is fundamentally only physical strength. I don't think that's true. I think that the, that's, and I think that's what Rav Tamir is saying. He's saying the Jewish gibor was always, always a combination of um, spiritual and physical strength, physical and spiritual strength, which does not mean that the, he has to know when to you when it is spiritually strong. I would even say it that way. I wasn't even. I was gonna say when not to use the spiritual and just to use the physical. But I'd say the opposite. When it's spiritually appropriate to do things that seem at the moment um, harsh, but at the at the end will actually be um, ethically proper. Right, which we might be squeamish about today, right? And he uses examples from David HaMelech when David, you know, is merciless against Moab. I, I was actually thinking of Ezehu Gibor Akobesh Yitzro to maybe, be describing that. Maybe sometimes Meaning a person would say, "I don't want to do this." Right? That was right. Shaul essentially failed here because he was not, he was Merachem Alach and in the end, that left him to be Merachem Alach Mitachzer Rachmanim. And we ended up, and that's 100% right. true. That's 100% true. So what Rav Tamir says is part of having ethical sensitivity is also knowing when you have to use, what when within that the framework of battle, mm-hmm. when you have to be tough. And when you do have to, I agree with you also sometimes, when you have to be covetous certain emotions in order to do what's really ultimately the, the right thing in the, in, the, in the big picture. But just to get back to your main point, I do think that's, even in that, Tamir is saying, and again, I would advise everybody to listen to this this beautiful sicha that he gives. He says that, but there's still always that's actually a a spiritual and physical combination. That actually is a proper spiritual and physical, like meaning the chayal who goes into the field and who has the same at the same time the ability to. I don't know, um, give the small child, which we've seen pictures of in Hebron, a drink of water or to, you know, I don't know, a million and a half examples of, of the sweetness of our soldiers and the kindness and the ethical sensitivity of our soldiers to their, you know, the people that they're fighting against, to their own people, whatever, it doesn't matter, right? Um, and at the same time, also know when you have to be physically and ethically strong, that is the real gibor. And what happens in Galut is that you're right. We split the ideas because we lost the physical, right? And now we're getting into Rav Cook realm. And we became lopsided. We overemphasized the spiritual and we took it to an extreme place that without its counterbalance becomes, um, can be, can, is, is missing, it, it's disproportionate, right? Which is what Rav Cook believes Begadol happened, right? That's why he said the, the Gula had to come from non-Orthodox Jews because because religiosity became so small-minded. So I would say the same thing here about Kavura. We became 
So and and it's where the you're, you know you're the squeamishness you're describing. I think we're only arguing. I think semantics. so too. I think I we're arguing think we're semantics. semantics. That's my point. Meaning, I, meaning, that is I don't. Exactly I, I, I think what you're describing is gvura no, plus. No, so I, I don't think so. I, I think that a gvura again, like, look, look at with aniha gever. What is the word gever? The the, the 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 phrase. The word gever in Tanakh is the hero. The hero is the person who struggles, and he doesn't just struggle physically. He struggles spiritually. The word gever comes up in Tehillim. It comes up in Eov. Mm-hmm. It comes up in Echa. These are the the, the, the gvura is the protagonist. He's the hero a hero is not a hero unless he's struggling with something right and again if you're physically stronger you're just a you're just you know a Goliath Goliath is not the hero of the story David is the hero of the story right the, the hero well, David why, won. why did he how did he win <laughs> he called upon but he overcame that's tremendous right. fear exactly. and ridiculous odds. That's and so if David, sorry, if David had been if David had been killed by Goliath, that's the point. He would not be the, the, he, the, the point is the the hero is defined by the ability to overcome tremendous odds, draw on inner resources, and to defeat. Um, that's what the rub. I said the rub. The leap into the unknown to defeat the ostensible person who has the, the greater physical power. That's what Gvura is, right? And that's. No, the rab said. From what I, the rab also said, Gibor is the person that sometimes, sometimes he steps to. back. That's true, and that's an element of his. Some, that's catharsis. That's, that's okay, but gura. that's not on the yeah. battlefield necessarily. But that's okay. That's again, I teach catharsis. We can. I don't. I don't think right. exactly. I, I know you're the expert. I, right this second, but trust <laughs> me, the idea. That's the idea of gura is 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 the idea that you are. Again, the leap into the absurd. You're against the odds, right? And again, I think that that's that's what a hero is, and and. What I'm saying here is, you're right that I think that um, thousands of generations of Galut, we only had our spiritual gura. And because of that, I agree with you also that we became uncomfortable with expressions of physical gura, um, both in our liturgy and, um, you know, just as, as, as concepts. And I think we have to retake it and be proud of it. And I think we have to say that, that again, Baruch Hashem, we are living in a time when, when we can be true, the true sons of the Maccabim, right? I mean, we had this, I think we had this argument last year, right? Where the, like, the Maccabim were, we, they were strong <laughs> and they fought, but they were also, their strength was, came from their Mil Hashem Eli, from their spiritual ideology. That, that's what, that's what, that's what, that's, that's what it means to be children of the Maccabim, is you're not afraid to go fight. And by the way, I'll, I'll end with this and then pass it over to, 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 to yeah, Chagab, I agree with you. I don't know if this country's ready I for that. I think they're, they're getting, getting there. I, ready, but again, that's I why I think we're into Talichei Ichud, Baruch Hashem. Like, the fact that the Haredim are there, and I don't know how many there were now, I think like, uh, they were, you know, Many, many, many Haredim running to to join the army now, and they go through this quick. Um, did you see this? They they go through this quick uh, um, preparation, and they're actually fighting now. They're fighting in Aza. I don't know if in Aza, I don't know where they're going, but they're but they were trained. Yeah, don't look at me like I'm crazy. They were trained um, to take up arms. No, they were. That, that's incorrect. They were given basic training. I'm, I'm, they, their their basic training was to allow them to serve in secondary roles. I'm not sure. I'm not sure that also it's some of them. They, but let's not. I don't think they were. That's why that was too extreme. Maybe they're not in awesome. training. But they're but they are fighting. They're not <laughs> yeah. only um, you know like uh, they're they're doing things that I think involve the, the 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 need to learn also how to be a physical soldier, not just a a either spiritual or technical soldier. Um, it's okay, yeah, slow, we'll but I'm saying it's, it's, it doesn't matter. You. It doesn't almost doesn't matter because it's the concept. It's that it's slowly this awakening within the religious world that the physical side is is if you don't have that, you have nothing. And within the spiritual, within the physical world, that that there's this almost um, 
first of all, I'd say it like this: in the in the Haredi world, there's this desire to be physically stronger. In the in the Chiloni world, there's this reawakening of connection to spiritual sources. Everybody wants tzitzis. Everybody wants to 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 put on tefillin before they go in. And in the Datilumi world, I think there's this. We see these soldiers who who are who are connecting. Their both elements of the, their personalities, the, 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 the physical, the koach, and the ruach. And I think that it really is um, a, a, a new phenomenon that is re, rejuvenating the ideal phenomenon that we lost for thousands of years in Galut. Johnny. So I, so I want to uh, draw from both of the things you've, well, from the various ideas you've been sharing. And I actually want to begin with the symbol of the State of Israel. You may well know, actually, the flag of the State of Israel was produced before the state was established. And the symbol of the State of Israel, the menorah, with the different uh, olive branches, was it was actually a project that, estab- that was uh, initiated just straight after Milchim and Atma'ot, and then it, I think it became uh, formulated as a symbol in 1951 or so. But I, I give a talk about all the other submissions. We have records of all the submissions. Right, it was like a competition, what right? It was be, like a competition. Right, right, right. Right, so I, I collated a whole bunch of them over uh, some years ago, and they're fascinating, because the current one is this menorah. And what does the menorah represent? It's almost spiritual strength with, with also an overlay or an, a hint to physical strength. There is that dualism, and it's deliberate, right? It's not in your face that this is going to be a physically strong country, but it's implied where it needed to be, we're going to be. The ones that didn't quite make it, but they came quite close, included, for example, a uh, crouching lion. Now, the whole po- purpose of the message of the crouching line is, we're lions, but we want to crouch. We have no interest in fighting, but we're going to be ready to fight as and when we need to be. And if you mess with us, then we'll lash back. And the idea is, we want to be giborim. We certainly don't want to be tested in terms of our We want to be quiet giborim, almost tzanua giborim, right? Sitting there with the strength, if uh, necessary, to fight for our existence, fight for our people, but we'd rather a life where we did, wouldn't need to do so. Now, that, I think, is very important, because we, the state of Israel and the people of Israel has struggled to make sense of these dual messages of emotional strength, spiritual strength, and physical strength. And that's already alluded to in the definitions of and the imagery of what it means to be the state of Israel. We spoke about Yomashra and this certainly also affirmed in, in the symbol. But let me just take it at a further level. Because I presume like uh, my community, in both of your communities, in your synagogues, there are plenty of people who are coming into shul now with guns, right? Because there are people in Kitat Kononut, right? People in Miluim, right? In my shul, uh, there is probably maybe uh, 25 people with weapons on a Shabbat morning for one reason or another. And you may know that there was, there's been halakhic debate already since the time of the Gemara, where you're allowed to bring weapons into shul. And there were lots of truvot early on in the state of Israel, and then subsequently uh, by different rabbanim, whether it's appropriate for somebody to bring a weapon into shul. Now, why? How come that it becomes a non-conversation here in Israel? Because actually, if you look at the average Israeli who brings a weapon into shul, there's no being kind of bravo about it. Nobody's kind of twisting the gun around their finger, saying, "Look at me!" Right? They carry a gun because they need to have a gun. If they need to run out and, and shoot an, a terrorist, they'll do so. But the gun is a cle, right? It's a tool. It's a tool which they know perfectly well how to use. They're incredibly well trained to know how to use. 
but unless they need to use it, it's a tool which remains quietly there, a bit like the crouching lion. And so the hey, Halakhic debate have to stop about... You. I, I, we, I, like, your, your discussion raises so many really interesting thoughts in my mind about how the post-game perceived of weaponry in general. Meaning, like, it's today... I want to tell you a short story. So this Chayal that was with us, he was with us a few weeks ago, well, like well before, a couple of weeks before the, before the, uh, before Atarba 7th. He had just stayed with us for Shabbat. And he came with his gun. And he, you know, the Chayalim, if they don't, not able to lock it up, they have to keep their gun on them. So he brought it to Shul. Mm-hmm. Somebody came up to him and put a book of Rav Avinir in front of him to the page where Rav Avinir says, you're not supposed to put a, bring a gun into Shul. Right? And you're, you're waving your hand. But that, the guy just like sort of, like, it was so interesting. In Yad Binyamin, some, I don't know who it was. I have no idea who it was. Somebody is sort of alluding to the fact that it's inappropriate to bring guns into shul. And I just have to say, it's, a, it's a, like you're raising fascinating issues for me that require research. If anybody's done it, I'd like to see it. About right. Well, you know what I mean. You know, that's why you're saying it's irrelevant nowadays. In, in Israel, it's totally irrelevant. Nobody would ever say but, now, don't bring like, a gun into shul. Go ahead. But, but there's two reasons. I'm one, just one second. First, you know, I'm, I'm familiar with Truvot and, and, and all this literature. But I say it's irrelevant not because we're in wartime, meaning, yes, because in war we need to have the guns. That's a given, right? In many ways, uh, that it's a necessity. But even if it weren't to be a necessity, you ask the average guy, and I've done a lot of guard duty over the past few weeks, so I've had lots of late-night conversations with different people uh, who are armed, right? Nobody walks around saying, look at me, I've got a gun in my, you know, trousers, right? It, it, there's no, it's not about ego, it's about being there for defense. And so it's the really perception of weapons used look, to be... It's really fascinating they hide it. It's like, it's, right, they, don't, the, they don't wear it the, exposed. Right, the perception is a person who brings a gun is, is almost bringing a, and we talked about David before, right, is bringing a value which is contradictory to the shul. I say, in my community, every person who's bringing a gun to the shul their way in which they relate to their gun is totally aligned with what the shul represents because these are peace-seeking people who are sweet, who are kind, who have put in time to defend people. Our guns are not to attack, they're there to defend. And so bringing a gun into shul is is by no means an affront to the Bet Knesset, God forbid, on the contrary, apart from being a necessity in terms of bitachon and things like that. In values, it's aligned. And those who don't understand that, it comes to really the broader point we're pay- making here. They assume that Gvura, in terms of physical strength, suggests a desire to be strong and beat people for a point of aggression. Our great soldiers, yeah, they need to be the absolute in their absolute conviction and commitment to what they're doing on the battlefield. But they don't do it from the point of anger. They do it from the point of values. And we've educated generations. And, and Marty mentioned uh, Eitan Urzenzweig. And I wrote a piece about him and Eitan Dishon Yontan Samo. And I, and I did some research uh, about these young men. I, I listened to their spedim. All these three guys, they're very different. But they're so sweet, so sensitive. To be a hero is not somebody who says, look at me and look at me flexing my muscles. It's to be somebody who is an artist, who's a musician, who is, who's volunteers, but who, when needs to be, is that crouching line? And so I suppose that's kind of how I see uh, yeah, this. I want to add one thing. Can I just add one, okay. se- one sentence? Well, thank you for that. Ma- Molly, I have to say, I'm just going to trigger you. Then for I a want to add one thing. It just yeah. makes me think about the Western aversion to, the, like, to powerful people versus powerless people. Mm-hmm. That the powerless are always right and the powerful right. are always wrong. 
so interesting. Okay. I'm just triggering you. you okay. can't I will just say, it. let's not, but, one, but more point. Point. one more point. Let us not fall into that binary. Again, let us rise. Let's hold the complexity of, of both sides of it. I agree with you 100%. And I think it's a mistake to fall into that binary. And I just want to say that I happen to have heard Rev. Ramon yesterday talking. And he, and he just because Johnny just reminded me, he said, what, what's the name of our, our army? It's called Tzva Haganah Yisrael. Find me another army that is defined by their, the, the, the reason we exist is to defend ourselves. There's not an ounce of aggression in, in, the, in the intention behind founding the army. That's, and it's, that's not me saying that. That was a Ramon saying that. And so I think that what you're saying is, is 100% true. So, so I agree with you, Ruby, that like, unfortunately, there's so much... Um, simplistic thinking and even worse than simplistic thinking but an automatic um, almost uh, fetishizing of the victim and we're not doing that here anymore I'm sorry we're not doing that anymore we are proud to be strong um, and we are not just proud to be strong but we're proud that we can be strong and ethical and kind and sweet all at the same time Hmm. all right we'll stop here Uh, we'd love to hear your comments uh, if you have comments about uh, anything that we've said, uh, of the many mistakes I probably made, if you have questions or comments, if you happen to have written an article about uh, bringing guns into shul, I'm very interested in reading it. Um, you can find us on the Facebook, on Spotify, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. If you do listen, you reach this this far, you must really like us. So please rate us. You can do it either on the Spotify app or on Apple Podcast, so more people will find the RZ Weekly goodness. I want to thank Rob Johnny Solomon and Rob Malibrovsky. Thank my son for creating our music. We wish you all a wonderful week. Bye now.